ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with another one here. I am here with my new good friend here, Raul Hernandez Ochoa, and he says he is going to help us productize your services without losing quality. Is that right, Raul? More than just being said, we'll do it. We shall see on this episode of The Authority Project. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, feast your eyes and tune your ears. It's that time again. We are live with another episode of The Authority Project. It's the video podcast streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope, where we talk to digital marketers, business coaches, and creators of all kinds on how they've built authority in their field and how you can mimic their success. Developing authority, building your audience, and attracting better clients to your own business. Now, without further ado, let's bring to the virtual stage your host, Brian S. Arnold. All right, we are back on this current episode. It is actually a Friday, but it might not be that way when you listen. But anyways, anyways, we are here with Raul Hernandez Ochoa, and I am excited to hear what he has to say about this particular topic. How are you doing today, Raul? Doing pretty good. Yourself? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. It's a great Friday. It's a great end of the week. Um, doing a lot of, what do you call it? A lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of things. A lot it of things good. going on. Hey, well, Having a lot of things to do is good. Being in demand is good. Yes, absolutely. So let's get started. First of all, can you tell us who you are personally and then professionally? Well, Romo Hernandez Ocho, the same guy who works in the professional world and personal world, is no split difference. Yeah, I love to surf, like to walk my dogs, like to play chess, and I like to solve problems for companies that look to grow. Okay, I love that. Awesome. So can you tell us what your current project is at the moment? Current projects, uh, we'll have the podcast myself, Do Good Work. We have Insights, which is helping founders install the proven strategies from our podcast hosts into their business. I have a new daily blog that I just do for, for fun, but also to add value to the marketplace and just a lot of fun stuff that I'm thankfully uh, able to do and provide value to my clients. All right. And last question before we dive in, what is your daily routine? Oh, God. I, I actually outlined it in the book, Productive Profits, but to wake up pretty early. Okay. Uh, early has not been happening around the holiday times, of course, because you're sleeping in. But I wake up early, pray, work out. From there, the added to that routine is now daily writing. So that's 30 minutes to an hour, just creative writing, creating blog posts and stuff like that for fun. And then from there, doing the 80-20s for work, clients, support, growth, and uh, podcasting. So. It's I love it. I all love the love. Awesome. I love the daily writing. I used to do that for, I did that for a year straight and learned a lot. Actually, the, the origins of this show, of yeah. doing doing that. And I, I learned how to, the power of streaks of doing that. Now, I'm not doing daily writing right now, but I'm doing daily piano. Oh, another, there you another, go. Yeah, another journey for me, which has been very That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Let's get to it, man. Let's get to it. So... Why should one think, first of all, why should one think about productizing their services? And please explain what productize means <laughs> for people who don't know. Oh, that's good. That's perfect. That's actually where I was going to go to. Anytime you, you look at a certain strategy, idea, or philosophy, you want to understand the definitions first. So what does it mean to productize something? It means to deliver at that same expected level of value 
consistently over time. And we know that with services, especially if they're done by humans, not software, there is going to be lack of value. There is going to be those hiccups or there is going to be errors being made or there's going to be like, hey, this client needs a different scope of work. How do we make sure that we approach everything with a methodology and that we successfully not only meet the expectations, but also delight our customers. So it's important to be able to look at that, even if you're just managing a small amount of clients, but as well as marrying that to your long-term goals. Are you building a larger company that where you wanna hire more people to come in and take this on for you? Do you wanna scale? Do you wanna grow? Do you wanna exit? It's marrying those things together, but this is just a good cornerstone thing to have in your business. Awesome. So I want, to, I want you to dive right into it. Take a step-by-step on the process of productizing our services. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to identify. So after that initial sale is made, okay. right? So that's actually where your services begin. Okay. It's the positioning of the service, the outcome, the expectations, and setting things right on the forefront. And then from there, go straight into your onboarding. And this is, again, looking at service-based companies. So this is going into your onboarding process. And now with onboarding, you want to make sure that you always get the right information, the right intake within the time frame that you set the expectation to. And that's the important key step. That there's always a hiccup between sales and then transition to the onboarding team if they're two different teams. If that's You also need to get off your sales hat and understanding what are the essential items I need to have every single time to execute. If this is a creative project, if this is a video project, if this is a ads management project, if this is a consulting project, mm. what are those things? And those would be pretty simple checklists or intakes, but then also identifying how am I going to communicate this need and how am I going to extract that information from the person on the other side, from my client? And you just need to set parameters. Am I going to be in their project management system? Are they going to be in my project management system? Are we going to do this over email? Don't recommend that. Are we going to be doing this over Slack? Okay. So it depends, like there's all these different parameters that happen into that. So that's the first stage. The second okay. stage is to make sure that whatever needs to happen, there are certain key activities that either you do, someone else does, or a machine does in order to facilitate those actions to be executed. So it's just identifying those, identifying what are the actual things that need to happen for this project to be a success in the first week, the first month, the first six months, depends on how long the project is. Now, do you recommend a certain tools and getting this together? Because obviously you can't just be person to person, person kind of thing. But what tools are you looking at to help expedite this whole process? The tools matter after the fact. The framework okay. is the most important. So the tools that actually matter in this stage are a pen and paper. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because you want to understand the framework. Because once you understand the framework and things that need to happen, then you can start looking at, well, can a technology actually take over this when someone fills out this form, can this be automated and put into my project management system? Can this be put into their project management system? And then looking at different technologies that can help facilitate that action. Too often, in far, like it's incorrect to look at the tools first and then make sure that tool fits your mm. use case. It's better have a use case first, have the framework laid out, and then identify the tools that are necessary. The tools that are necessary are very simple. It's not very difficult. But the fun part is ensuring that you have the proper system because that's what you can truly optimize. Does your team who needs to execute these items need more training, need support, more resources, or do you need to make sure that you have these supports, these resources to do those to do that work? I love that. That's, I love that answer. Keep going, man. Keep going. What's that? What's next? What's next? I love this. <laughs> you see, we're doing it. We're doing it. So the whole purpose of this is to create an infrastructure for growth. So it's making sure that once you, this is how the process is for onboarding, this is how the process is for execution, this is how the process is for management. 
And either from here in management, you want to look at how I bring on more referrals from, from a client's, how I ask for referrals from a client's, or how I add on services to the client. You want to make sure that's documented as well, because that facilitates longevity, customer lifetime value, and that also at the same time adds value to your client. So we always need to be looking at the client first. You can't just sell things for selling sake. So yeah. this is one of the other key things as well, because it's good for you and your business, but does the client actually need that? And when do they need that? And how do you set parameters for when they decide that? So that's once you have that laid out, now we're looking at it as a managerial point of view. Okay. We have all this laid out. We have the systems documented with the team members doing the thing that they need to. Now it's your turn, your time to be an administrator for that specific area of your business. Because there's this is just one little snippet of your business. But everything else is like the finances, planning, marketing, sales, like all that fun stuff that's involved right. with running a company. But when you're doing this, now you have to be an administrator. What does my team need? What resources? What trainings? Are they happy? What's the client expectation? What's our positioning in the marketplace? Taking account of all these holistic factors, but then also supplying the team with the resources and tools that they need. That way, even if you step away from doing the activities, you're no longer going to be afraid, reduced value. Because you're not doing them, someone else is doing it. Can they still do it at my 100%? There is a caveat to that. The customer sometimes doesn't know your 100% versus a team member's 86, 87%. So it's making sure that you equip the team to deliver at that minimum value, the minimum level of expectation, not the value still there. Yeah. Delivers value, drives value, communicates value. But then now you're managing resources. And that's what it is to be an entrepreneur as opposed to being the freelancer that's going in and doing the work yourself. So I hear, I hear, I hear you're saying, because I want to touch more into this, the, the second end of your title where it says doing this without losing quality. Where does that go wrong when the quality starts to wane? Because So what you're saying is do this and this and great. Everything's, everything's working. Execution is great. Everything's going you know, smooth. Where does the quality start to wane and you start to lose the quality? Where does that happen? If you do this right, you don't lose quality. <laughs> well, I, think, exactly. I think with the question that you're asking, what are the pitfalls right. that entrepreneurs, I've seen clients do, or entrepreneurs do, yes. when it comes to facilitating and following this process, it's the pitfall is giving away too much responsibility. Okay. I hired this person. I brought them on. They take care of my headaches. Don't even talk to me about it. I don't need to know. Mm. That you're going to absolutely lose quality. The second pitfall, creating silos in communications between teams. Silos meaning that one team communicates with each other and not with the rest, whole bunch of the team. And there's no transparency between what's happening. You're yeah. guaranteed to, to affect quality there. The other one as well as is you not providing the appropriate trainings and resources needed, even if you did buy, let's say, a tool that costs couple hundred thousand dollars and you yeah. give it to the team and you expect them to use it and expect them to integrate it the way that you want to without providing trainings or proper onboarding or proper support to do that. That's one way that can also go array astray. The other one is also just adding redundant tasks for feedback loops, not having the proper feedback loops from you, the manager, the entrepreneur, the owner, the founder to the team and having to have a, a perpetual meeting or perpetual anxiety checking in on is this going on? Is the client doing well? Is the communication going well without setting proper communication channels or dashboards? Yeah. So I, I, got, a, I got a question that just popped into my head now, Bravo. So here we go. Can you imagine for us a week in the life of this process working as you have just stated? Can you take us through that for companies saying, well, we're going to do this. Raul just gave us this directive and we're going to, we're going to take it and, and run with it for the week. How, how, how does that look like? So the implementation of it or what happens yes. after it's implemented? 
the imp implementation? The first thing is having that communication. If it's just with you meeting with yourself, if it's with you and a couple co-founders or team members meeting with the team and assessing, this is what we're going to be doing. This is why it's important because this kind of work is put off to the side. Okay. Even if you say it's important, it's still going to be put off to the side. Letting them know this is important. This is going to be done. This is why it's going to be done. This is why it matters for you. Your life is going to be happier, less meetings. You're going to have more quality in terms of the team or have better quality control for the clients. Clients will stay on longer and we'll be happier because we have longer seeing clients, better clients, and this will allow us to move upstream if we desire. Charge more, work with higher tier clients, et cetera. So that's the first stage, setting the, setting the stage. It's yeah. important. Yeah. From there, it's just working within each person, each key. I don't want to call them stakeholders. Let's break this down into a matrix. Okay. All the key activities that need to happen to facilitate the execution of the service. And don't go into micro details right now. Just go into macro details. What are the key simple activities that if this doesn't happen, it breaks the chain? Assigning a person to have ownership of that key action. Who is actually doing this? If that's you, great. Does that need to be you? Mm. But if it's that you, it's okay. Write yourself in that box. Doing that, let's say there's 12 actions. Then you assess from those 12 actions, there's probably overlap. It could be Henry who's taking care of the first five and then maybe Stephanie in the next couple. So it's just assessing who are the key players here and then working with them to document, this is the way that we do this. This is the Raul Hernandez way. This is the Brian Arnold way. Yeah. <laughs> this is the your company name it. Because that's this is where you can create your intellectual, you know, yeah. property. This is gotcha. our personal way of doing things, exactly. our signature way. Yeah. When you document that, like I have the tools and resources that anyone can get. Uh, it's in the book Productive Profits. I actually give you the the literally template that you can go ahead and just install and use that as a frame of reference when you're creating these processes. It doesn't have to be very complicated. As a matter of fact, it doesn't have to take too much time either. I love, I love that plug. Say it again. Say it again. Productive products. Yes, productive products. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So how does this help you scale? In, in, in the big, I, I got them from the lack of a better term. To, just, just say, how, how does this help you scale your company in the yeah. you know, broad sense of the word? As you're doing this, you're having your own way of doing things. You document them. You assign that person to the role. You give them the resources necessary to do that. Then you're going to be looking at it. If I'm hiring a specific person or personnel or agency or vendor to do this role for me, you need to start looking at this from a cost basis. And this is what I call task units. And typically what I like to do is have a company structure where we have one manager, a certain amounts of people you know, managing certain accounts or clients facilitating the actions if we need a project manager, whatever it is, who we need in a task unit, accounting for their monthly salary or annual salary or hourly basis, however your company is structured, and assessing how much revenue are they actually managing for you. And from the top, making sure that your task units are profitable. Mm. And this is taking into account overhead. This is taking into account salary. This is taking into account your office, which is part of overhead. And even some owners pay if you decide to do that level of accounting. But making sure that overhead is accounted, your pay is accounted, any other miscellaneous pay that is necessary from the business is accounted, and the task unit is profitable because at that point, all you have to do if you really want to grow the business, let's say you want to add on, let's say you have 12 clients, you want to add another 12 or another 20 clients, and you can do that based with your sales and marketing, which is another story. Okay. <laughs> 
you can fill the pipe and all you have to do is hire out another task unit and train them with the same documents and resources and trainings of how you do your work so that they can do it. And at that point, you're just managing task units. You can bring someone in to help manage those for you. I like that. That's that's great stuff, man. Let me take it to another way. When, when you're taking on a new client and you're seeing you're, you're in the face of the company, they're coming to you. What have you seen in your experience that is the main problems that you see that aren't, aren't working in a business or aren't working in a company where you're like, you can pin down, this is the reason why this isn't working for your company and how you can, there, is there like one thing that you can see that is, this is always the problem whenever I go to a client and you see it right away? Oh, it's easy. That's working with humans. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest part of this whole thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just leadership. Obviously, it's gonna. there's never one thing that every client or th issue, but it always comes back to what are the things or what are the essential facilitators in a company? It's money, it's systems, it's people. Mm. Yeah. And your process of how you do that. If you're good with managing the money, awesome. If you're good with managing systems and processes, awesome. If you're good at managing people, you can win at this game. That's all it takes. It's just the, the hardest part is making sure that. How do you manage your people, aligning those to your goals, making sure that they're well-supported, making sure that the company's well-supported, making sure that both of them are married in a holistic why, like why they want to work with the company, their career goals and trajectory, the company's why, like this is Simon Sinek, that career goal or that uh, company goal and trajectory. You're just yeah. aligning that and working together because the whole thing, like a plan is works most of the time. It's the execution of the plan that fails. Because it has to be executed, communicated, done. And also it takes time. We have to live through time to see something through. And it's just keeping that consistency of going. So I got two more, a couple more questions for you. So say, say there's some, some people who are just starting out, they're, they're solopreneurs, or they're thinking of build, building a team. Maybe they're getting outsourcing, maybe they're doing VAs, maybe, it's like maybe they're trying to like, oh, this is going good. good. I want to start building a company out of this. Mm -hmm. How soon... Should they be thinking about 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 your process that you're stating out in the sound podcast right now, this episode? How you can just do it right now. Okay. And I think everyone listening right now, if you're serious about your business, you're serious about growth, or you're serious about sunsetting your business, meaning you're going to retire or give it to someone else, it's, it starts okay. now. It starts with the financial planning, starts with your planning, your goals, and then understanding what is necessary for this to happen. Because the nice thing about this, a pen and a paper isn't very expensive to get. You can start doing that and mapping it out if you want an actual step-by-step -step guide of how to do this. Because thankfully, we can be on these podcasts. Thankfully, I can have speaking presentations and talks. Right. And I try to give as much value as I can so that people can do this. But I can't work with every person in the world. Exactly. And this right. is not a plug. This is I created this as a resource. At one time, it was free, the Productive Profits book. The purpose was that to give you the step-by-step -step guide to how do I think about this? How do I think about my goals in a long-term vision? How do I assess my company and understand the numbers that matter? How do I assess my team, my time, my team's time? And then how do we create this process to really move forward? So you can start thinking about that now just by asking those simple questions, listening to some, taking some of the notes that we discussed here and applying them. Because it's always a goal. A business owner wants to grow their company, exit or sell it or work on it for as long as they can. You got to do this sustainably. Or you want to give that company to someone in the family, inherit that company, or just do away with the company. It still matters with the stage that you're in and these um, principles that we're talking about aren't tactics or strategies for very specific industries. This is a principle-based methodology where it's 
regardless of where you're at, you can apply these principles and they'll be beneficial for you. I love it. I love it. I'm going to go back to personal stuff now, Raul. Shoot. Sure. What, what, what got you into this? I, I think everyone wants to, I think people would like to know that. What, what got you into this line of, I'm not sure, maybe line, line of work is probably the bit worse, but maybe, is this a passion for you, you think, at this point? I'm not sure. A passion means to suffer. So maybe we're suffering. <laughs> That's what passion is. When you say compassion is to suffer with. So passion okay. is in related yeah, okay. to suffering. Okay. But going back to this, to answer lightly, I always grew up as a, as an artist, as an, I wanted to be in animation. I think I emailed with my AOL account 15 years ago to someone in DreamWorks and I wanted to be in either DreamWorks or Pixar or something like that. Okay. Um, so I was always a creative starting off. And then when I was looking at, uh, I was looking at the laptop one day uh, a while ago in college, like a long, maybe 10 years ago. I forgot when, but yeah, we're in 2021. So 10 years ago. And then I saw a company from down the street. It was here in San Diego State, just down the street of kids. And I call them kids, obviously, but yeah. quote unquote kids creating companies that actually solved real issues for people around the world. The company mm. was solo eyewear and they were like selling eyeglasses. But with those profits, part of that they gave to give cataract surgery for someone who couldn't afford it. I thought that was pretty powerful. And yeah. I thought that was a, a way of expressing creativity. So I went down that path. I joined a program with only 12 kids at the entire business school at the time. And that exposed me to entrepreneurship. And it was only one unit. If, if you know what like college credits is like, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that was legitimately my college experience. That was the best thing for college. The labbing program, I got to learn how to paddleboard with the co-founder of Volcom. I got to hang out with like in rooms, the opportunity to hang out with the CEO of, was it Costco, Rubio, so all these different founders and being able to understand how entrepreneurship is creative and also how they went about their journey. And then I guess that's what led me to trying to figure out how I can, you know, add value. And I figured out that uh, this is one of the skill sets I have and that's what we're doing. I love it. That's awesome. That's, that's amazing. One last question for you. I love that. I love that answer. That's amazing. Your journey. So the last question I ask is for all of my guests that come through and it goes something like this. It says that people are watching, they're listening later, and they want to do what you do. They have similar interests, similar goals, maybe similar, some similar um, journeys. Mm -hmm. And they want to help companies scale like, like you do as well. Can you tell them in your own words, and I'll put you front and center, how they can become an authority in this space. Like without like, you want action items or do you want- We want to say it, however, do it in your way. Say it in your way. <laughs> I need you to read every single book in your industry. That's a priority. I'd highly recommend reading This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. Mm. In addition to that, and then figuring out what are you actually solving? what is the emotional state that you're helping people with? Because typically we're selling a service or a product or whatever, cool, but what do they get out of that? And if you can identify and really get into your market's head and our customer's head and say, I sell this emotion, I sell this status, I sell to this narrative, and you align with that and you find different ways that you can actually create a new product or service that'll, that gives that to the max, you will be not only an industry leader, if you can get the word out there, of course, but on top of that, you'll be solving a true problem for people who care. That's the advice I would give. I, I love that. That is amazing. 
I, <laughs> that's perfect. That is so perfect, dude. Raul, I appreciate you, man. This is great. I'm so glad to get you on here. Where can people see you after the show? Where should they go? Just go to my website, dogoodwork.io. I'll be able to catch up on anything that you need there and contact me directly. There it is, folks. We're good. We're good for the weekend. Raul, I appreciate <laughs> you, man. I appreciate you. Right, this, this Thank is, you. Uh, the honor is mine. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope everybody got a lot out of that. I know that I did. If you haven't, go get the replay. Go listen again because this is straight gold today. If you want to really do it the right way, he just laid it out there for you. So I'm going to do my little plug like I usually do. People go to theauthorityletter.com and get my three-part video series about building your authority platform. And after that, go listen to this show. <laughs> after you see those videos, go listen to the show afterwards and do what he just told you. So. I can't express it any better than that. Everybody, I will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Anything else before we get out of here, Raul? Did you want to no. say at all? Just do good work. I love it. There he goes. People, we're out. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this episode of The Authority Project. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, we want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and give an honest review. Share and tell your friends so they can hear too. And for even more authority-building tactics, be sure to sign up at theauthorityletter.com. Get free weekly content and ongoing digital product giveaways to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. We certainly hope you got a key takeaway or maybe an aha moment from today's broadcast. Just remember, it's your authority. Build it, share it, and they will come. Until next time.